Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. Going to look at Acme Novelty Library number one, the uh, the origin of Jimmy Corrigan, if you will. But before we do, let's talk a minute about uh, Ed and I are both cartoonists. Ed's newest book, Red Room Trigger Warnings, is coming out soon. It was supposed to be out in December, but paper shortages and and uh, global trade problems have pushed it back to February, which means everybody watching at home, heads up, this is the cover that you want to look for in your local comic shop, because the other piece that's working against this book, Ransomware Attack at Diamond. Chances are this is going to be the lowest printed copy of Red or issue of Red Room as a result. So whenever February rolls around and this book hits your local comic shop, pick it up as soon as you see it, because these may be scarce. This is your main cover. Love the uh, the heads, by the way. We've talked about this a little bit, but man, that looks like fun cartooning. This is my variant of Red Room. Trigger warnings number one. Uh, this is my homage to Robert Crumb and Zap Comics. Turned out uh, pretty well. I was very happy with how this one goes. I never know with these ideas of uh, referencing comics covers, how they're going to actually work with the Red Room material. Pretty happy with that one. Uh, Peach Momoko, who launched the first Red Room series with a really great cover, returns with this one. And Ed, your variant featuring uh, silhouettes that I would be proud to show off in the silhouette zine <laughs> of uh, the Rat Queens. What a fun issue this one is. But, uh, you know, all you kayfabers out there, mark it on your calendar. This is delayed six weeks. It'll be out in February. And whenever you see it, make sure you pick it up right away. You can also read these ahead of time on Ed's Patreon. There's a link in the link tree below this video where you can follow him. My next book. Due for March 2022, Hulk Grand Design. Look at that poster size under the camera. Looks really Full cool, screen, man. baby. <laughs> Covering about 40 years of the Hulk history, 500 issues or so, 10,000 pages, being distilled down into two oversized issues, March and April 2022. Um, you can follow me uh, at the links below. There is a link tree where you can follow me on all of my social media. I'm going to start just sharing art, behind-the-scenes, process stuff. I have a pretty good stack of artwork that came out of this. Um, so I'm excited to share that with everybody and uh, Hulk Grand Design. Hope you guys love the Hulk because this is what I am going to be talking about for the next several months. I'm, I'm stoked to do some some Hulk episodes. Like, let me see what the great Hulk comics are. I have been flagging Hulk comics over the last year, so we will be getting into some of those. Breaking kayfabe, so have I. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. But uh, we're here today to talk about Chris Ware, master cartoonist. Huge influence now on a couple of generations of cartoonists. I feel like he was a revolution man. Whenever I found this stuff, it was, it was shocking to me. Man, he was the wonder kid, right? Like there was um, the second volume of Raw where you had like the little potato guy stuff. And I remember seeing that stuff. There was that very distinct ink line that I actually thought it was Bill Watterson mm -hmm. doing that little potato guy. And then you read, uh, okay, Chris Ware. And I was picking up super random, like, you know, under, underneath the stairs uh, issues of Comics Journal at IDES, and he was being promoted in in the front matter there as like this like really interesting kid at the Daily Texan who's coloring it, cutting his own color separations. Quimby the Mouse strips. Would you say it's fair to say he was the Stephen Platt of alternative comics? <laughs> that would be up for Chris to decide. Like Chris, like <laughs> let's have that discussion sometime. But uh, this thing was just completely insane whenever it came out man like even it was almost like trying to like anti-sell it because imagine if you have a voluminous catalog and you read like 
the Acme Novelty Library, it just sounds like it would be a collection of those ads that would have like the x-ray specs or something. Yes. It doesn't even sound like a comic. Yeah, it's, it's, we're going to take all that apart. Uh, I wanted to show off one piece from a recent wizard that we looked at. This is your, your May 1995 wizard. And in the comics news, Fanagraphics does have a little blurb about it. May sees the return of the smartest kid on earth when Jimmy Corrigan, number one of eight, hits the stands. Ah, limited series. <laughs> when Jimmy receives an invitation from his estranged father, he embarks on a hellish journey. Uh, I don't know how accurate any of that is for this comic, <laughs> but it's it's pretty funny to see it listed in Wizard Magazine, just kind of like a synchronicity that those both of these crossed my path this week. But digging into this issue, man, the first thing that pops for me is, look at the lettering. Oh, As a yeah. fan of lettering, unbelievable. Yeah, man. Uh, and I think, if not all of this lettering, the vast majority is, is hand done. I think maybe all of it is. It is, but yeah. certainly the majority is. And it's just remarkable because he is picking, he's referencing fonts, you know, huge influence from early 20th century design, print, uh, comics. It's all here. And that's, that's really what you're seeing in this kind of ornamental layout. Yeah. It's, it's, it's totally insane. $3.95. I believe that's the same price as Spawn versus, uh, Batman, which I had to save up a whole week's worth of lunch money to get that. So this was prohibitively expensive. But another thing to consider is the publisher as brand and Fantagraphics, man. Holy fuck. They were at the height of their game. Like, I don't know that they've ever reached. And, and this is speaking from a dude who's making comics for these motherfuckers, man. I don't know that they ever hit these heights where you already have the Los Bros doing, doing work for a decade. Uh, you got Klaus with 8-Ball. You know, you got Charles Burns at this point probably do, starting to starting to dole out those uh, black holes. Peter Bag, Peter has Bag. His, his run of hate and stuff has, has been Neat going stuff. on. It does feel like this is an apex of sorts for that alternative comic. You know, like this is a saddle stitched comic book, and uh, the production's all there. Like as we get into this, there's some real bells and whistles in this, but it feels like it's the apex of all of that alternative comic books. The like in music, man, like you you know what a Def Jam record sounds like. You could, there's like a drum to it. And the record labels, they had a, a, a brand association. And like the Fanagraphics brand is like just the best comics. Like the best comics are Fantagraphics comics. And because you can't look at any one and see a relationship with the other, other than the fact that they're just fucking impeccable comics really well built down to the lettering down to the point of view and it's all different unbelievable i have a scene in the very first street angel where she's uh taken off screws for like a a, a shaft that she's going to skateboard into and it's a close-up of the screw with like the katana blade you know she's using it like a screwdriver it makes me think like this is where i probably may have come up with that you know it's so well drawn it took me years to even just pay attention to that little mouse face right there yeah it's great like he's he's using the screw as a weapon yeah. to, to ward off this this rat Oh man! And then just just to uh, stave off the the comments, yes, we know about Stewie from uh, Family Guy. Yes, this is first. Yeah, one of the early, uh, I don't know, bits of notoriety here involving this stuff. 
Yeah. But let's dive in. So nice cardstock, heavy cover. Like this is really a nice book, you yeah, know, as, as comic books go, because you've got different paper stocks on display. And then like besides the lettering that's phenomenal, <laughs> it is a little smaller. <laughs> this than, barely. Than your average comic. Yeah, you can see like worth noting because uh, guys like Klaus, like they wanted to make comics that were different sizes and always got the, the no-go from, from uh, Gary and Kim. And then when this came out, the dudes at Phantom were like, hey. It's so close. Like, it's almost this intentional kind of, I just want to be a little bit different. And yeah. it fits, you know, like this would fit in a regular bag and board. It would fit on whatever display pit number one <laughs> could be displayed on. So it's it's a different size without violating too much problems. Because what I would always get, like when I did Super Mag, is I just can't display. It doesn't fit. And then, and then what happens later, right? Like every single issue is a different size to the point where they address that issue from the retailers by making them have to buy like a $60 standee yes. to, that has pockets that fit each one. And every comic shop had it. Yeah, A lot of those comic shops still have it. They might be a little ratty now, but genius. Yeah. If I had a bigger studio space, I feel like I'd have to track that down to go next to the spinner I rack. I bet they're so expensive right I now. I bet they are. Oh, <laughs> yeah. but I wonder if Fanta has that's, it. That's what I think of. <laughs> we're going to have to have, before this video goes live, we're going to have to go have a talk. <laughs> See if we can put our hands on there. Um, what I was saying though, besides the lettering, the other thing that is exceptional is colorist. Oh yeah. Like phenomenal as a colorist and uh, on display here on your inside front cover. And this comic is just he hit the ground running. He really did, but 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 he didn't because there's a thousand pages that were drawn before this. Right. You know, he was doing all kinds of work. He's been making comics since he was a kid. Uh, he understands the form. He's one of those guys, like, in interviews, he got shamed by his goddamn mom and grandma and stuff for, like, being down with John Byrne X-Men's and shit. <laughs> and his mom straight up was like... This is nonsense. And he's like, oh, oh, this is nonsense. So this is a guy making comic books coming from the comic strip school. Exactly. Of, had, co of comic book making. Had a grandfather he was close to that worked in the newspaper industry and exposed him to those. Not just exposed him to the comic strips, but had a great reverence for those comic strips. And the best of comic strips. Yeah. You know, like all the great stuff. And we kick off right away. Jimmy Corrigan, little Jimmy Corrigan's pissed off about whatever in a bad mood, fighting with his mom, throwing a rock at a chicken head. And uh, so he jumps, he leaves and he jumps into this city and he's like, man, I shouldn't have been so mean to my mom. Looking at the picture of the mom, doesn't have a dad, gets a plan. I know how to make mom's life better. <laughs> Brains this dude with a rock. <laughs> and convinces it, and him it gaslights him. Amnesia. <laughs> and takes him home like... Mom, he's, here's the new dad. And, and he's also talking like uh, he's from Appalachia or something, but he was like very cogent, like businessman kind of here. So he's like, he became Daffy. This is a very dark comic. Oh, yeah. And it sets the tone for the rest because there are, you know, Chris Ware, he's a, he's a you know, multi-art school art student. And one of the things that you learn in, in the arts is stuff like motifs. There's a lot, and all the motifs are laid, laid out right here. It's like, Little dude in the big city, leaving the mom, daddy issues, all on the one page. And then you just explore. You look at that, all these same problems and motifs from a million different angles throughout, using some metaphor with the, with the rocket ship and the um, robot guy and stuff like that. I see bits of um, Al Columbia, like in this yeah. character design. And, I, and that's both of these guys looking at the original source material. Which stuff like that. Fleischer Brothers, yes, even. exactly. 
So here we go. We're on Earth. Uh, man, it, it just these, these drawings were revelations. Like, this is a beautiful page. Doesn't look like any other comics that I would have been seeing at just, that time. Just like iconic stuff. And it doesn't look like the Chris Ware comics that we've seen before. Like, the stuff that is in yeah. Raw Magazine is not like this. It's a much looser hand. I remember seeing a couple original pages of his at the uh, at that show in Carnegie Mellon that mythic sh man if I had a time machine that is one of the places I'd go I got it on video man but these super tight white gutters that you see here these would be solid lines and then they'd be whited out for the, on for the corners the, uh, corners yep, yep exactly and that's how just so crisp and fine but the, uh, here we see Jimmy at the end of his life dead and now he goes into uh, heaven where one God looks like Superman and two, he just berates him for what a boring life he lived. <laughs> what, you didn't go for it? What a, what a little wuss. Here, when your mom was dying, you couldn't even tell her how you really felt? <laughs> no second chances. <laughs> what kind of cloud do you want? <laughs> it's so dark. <laughs> it's so dark. The other thing, Ed, you, you mentioned uh, before we started recording, so Jimmy Corrigan, of course, is a big hardcover collection. I think Pantheon might might have put out the collection, but yeah. it was one of those early literary graphic novels, like when graphic novels started to hit bookstores and, and you know, started to find adult readers. Jimmy Corrigan was a big one. And and look at how big this is. And we started, we've, we're, we're five pages into reading Jimmy Corrigan. In the big book that is published, that's easily accessible, there are two pages from this, maybe three pages, that, that make it into the book at the very, very beginning. So for almost every page you see in the final printed version, there, uh, there's an equal number, if not in Acme Novelty Library, uh, then there would be like pages that were not even... Because some of this stuff comes from his weekly right. output in Chicago, um, Day, uh, weekly uh, newspapers. Right. And not all of that stuff made it into Acme. Exactly. So there's this like whittling down process to get to the final book. It's that thing of editing. Like I it always is. talk about how it's hard to edit comics and that's a shame because the editing is important. Chris Ware is probably one of the harshest editors of of comics that you know works in America because so much of this stuff doesn't make it to that final, to each revised publication yeah it's like he's he's going far in the other direction of like self-awareness in a way to the point where it might even like cause trouble to an extent but i think it's so perfect here because this comic it's not aimless or anything but it's a little bit scattered and you don't quite understand it's very experimental you don't really understand what he's saying uh in, in a lot of it and some of it is frankly redundant so then you get the essence, yeah, and then that makes it into the final book. So it'll be fun to actually chart all of these issues uh, over time. Maybe we do one of these a month or something, and uh, maybe even keep a tally of like what makes it into the final book, because it's not not everything. Yeah. So certainly, more issues. Some issues have more than others, but these color holds this kind of stuff is fascinating i think this is amazing this effect right Printing it's an x-ray yeah and you go from uh before the x-ray light is turned on to turned on and you have to understand print to yes. do that because that's not this is not black mm -hmm. you know this is like a cmyk black or something i bet you he wasn't happy with how dark that is 
Because mm-hmm. I mean, famous for you know scrapping print runs and going to presses to do color checks and things on press, and uh, eventually you know goes off and self publishes Acme Novelty Library. So I think partially for that control to have that degree of control. So maybe that's that's one that he would make slightly lighter. But it's still you see a guy doing stuff that nobody else is really doing. How funny would that be if that was a part he was really happy with, and now you just gave him a complex. <laughs> Oofa, yeah. man, my old, my old eyes. Yeah, that is uh, that is something that I was struggling with reading this. Very fine lettering. He must draw like two twice up, big, uh, maybe big, bigger than that. Yeah, like huge originals. I, yeah, I think he he uh, draws like at the size of um, like broadsheet Sunday pages. There's a lot of Corrigan's closest relationship is his mom but it is a tumultuous relationship. So there's a lot of that that goes through all of these stories. Um, shooting himself and it doesn't work. Uh, you know, fantasy of shooting himself, obviously, doesn't work. And his boss says, what happened, Jimbo? Cut yourself shaving? <laughs> on his forehead. <laughs> there's this whole bit where the mom is like, just trying to, in any way, try to just be helpful in life and she's trying to like push money onto him and he's just like no 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 don't need it don't need it it's all good thank you very much and then you flip the page and he's like in the process he's he's gonna um have a potential date and then his mom is like oh well if you have money for that i'm I'm not giving you any money like like if you if you have that if you can afford dates like you don't need any money for like very offended very very oedipal relationship with mama absolutely and, you know, we see a lot of this of, like, old Jimmy Corrigan. So it's, like, reflection. This is that picture from the very beginning that he's looking at whenever he's on the park bench. And you'll see here, like, there is a dude in here. Like, his dad is in this picture. But the way it's framed is the dad is completely cropped off of the of the uh, the frame. What's oh, visible. You see that? You see that kind of passive-aggressiveness on uh, Instagrams <laughs> and stuff like that? Um, with a, a lady with a phantom hand on her, on her shoulder? This is a sequence where, like, she's fallen and an ambulance is coming. And she's, like making him get her something and he's like don't worry about it like the ambulance is going to be here and it's something it's like an electric shaver to remove uh whiskers from her chin yeah <laughs> it's really uh weird material very observed well observed i should say the coloring's spectacular like the range of colors that we've already seen and it makes me think like this is you know 95 94 95 this is image digital coloring revolution time period and this is what is what people are capable of like this is incredible color he would get the uh harvey awards and and like the eisners and stuff like like for the color uh off and i mean the guys at fantagraphics were just raking it up you know like they would always win like all the awards if they were nominated like you were not getting you were not beating clouds at lettering and, and shit like that or if you were you were chris ware and beat him at, at lettering there's also a lot of this kind of uh just regret this is him thinking about remembering a childhood thing where his grandfather came out on his walker and he kind of like runs away like he doesn't know him right he wants yeah. to go he's desperate to hang out with his grandson and, and jimmy's like uh, ashamed yeah. embarrassed. another motif that plays out and we've seen several pages of, the, of it where when there are other people like out in in the in the world their faces are always obscured or from the back view and that's no different than the kid like fully obscured then you see like half a face and then you see the other half and also panel after panel you feel the environment you feel the breeze based on the silhouetted uh leaves and stuff right there so very thoughtful cartooning and he's gone on to do a ton of this kind of stuff this was really interesting 
again, first time seeing it, it was like, wow, what is going on here? And you can kind of trace it. Like he's calling his mom. So we're going between, you know, uh, Jimmy's apartment and his mom's apartment going through the phone lines, you know, from one building to the next building, her hearing aid, just all this stuff. And she doesn't hear the phone ringing. So it doesn't answer it. And, uh, Oh, well, I guess she's not home. That's fine with me. I'm sick of the old bitch telling me what to do anyway. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, again, his back to that passive aggressiveness. <laughs> his little hand growing, the, the wedding ring missing, that same image where, where the dude's cut off. Yeah, it's so neat, too. And you see it's like the old weathered, withered hand of his, of his aged mother going back in time to whenever it's young in that photo, you know, getting married, conceiving of him. And he swears Ridiculous. That, and he swears he doesn't rough this stuff out. Ahead yeah, of the time. Yeah, he, right. say, he says that. Like, he just sits down at the board and just gets busy. That's hard to believe when you see stuff like that. You know, um, famous for doing two pages a week, right? Two pages a week, man. That's a prescription. So my question is, is this one page or is this two? Because if you look at his originals, it's two... Hinges, yeah. like This one might not be because of this drawing, but a lot of these are like two pieces of paper. So is that the two strips? Yeah, that's a good question. It, it Nevertheless, it's very... Like, his output shocks me. Because it feels like you should do this book, and that should be 10 years or something. Totally. But instead, he's got multiple books that are the size of Jimmy Corrigan collection. You, you know, here's, like he's got a ton of workout. Yeah, here's the thing, though. Like, like Rusty Brown, it came out, like, since we've been doing kayfabe, it came out maybe 2019 or something. There is Rusty Brown stuff from the 90s, yeah. dude. So, like, he's been building that big-ass book for a long-ass time. Like, you know, it's, it's 2,000 pages like, and stuff. Very prolific. For, 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 for what, what he it does, is. Like Absolutely. It's, it's wild how much he's produced over, Yeah, know, I guess now it's 30 year, 30 year career, maybe a little bit more going back to the 80s. Uh, so here's one of the cool pieces of this book. There's this insert that is honest to God newsprint. And it's yes. like, you know, you could pull this out. That would be your cover page. That would be your, your back page. It's like a standalone little comic inside that's printed on different paper stock. This Pretty advanced for, uh, for, for this time period. This is what we learned from Mad Volume 2 when we started getting, like, the Booty Rogers reprints. Cause the booty... Raw. Well, yeah, what did I say? Mad. Raw. Yes. Uh, the... the uh, the yeah pantheon raws because it would be the booty rogers like tipped in mm -hmm. um newsprint stuff and obviously even before that there was the tipped in straight up mouse comic books so that created the evidence that it existed phantom never had anything like that so let's do a version it's this is a one-man raw anthology yeah he's really applying like every everything that he can do he's putting in you, this i mean which imagine, is what you do on an issue one right like when we interviewed Gary Groff, mm -hmm. and when he was talking about the various stuff that started coming in, and then the clouds started coming in, and then the pee bags started coming in, and I said on the interview, look at that smirk on your face, Gary. Like, he was proud of that work, and imagine Love and Rockets comes, comes through, and it's revolutionary, and you're like, wow, this is everything. But it just kept happening. It just kept happening. It really like, did. Like, more of, like... Gary and Kim, when this when this comes to the office, they have to be over the fucking moon. Yeah, it's stunning. And it just happens all the time. Like, now you have Klaus. Now you have Jim Woodring. Makes you wonder, like, did they peak? Like, at this point, or who's impressing them after this? You know what I mean? Oh, like, totally. How do you top this? I mean, I mean, here's here's how it works for me. Like, I'm I'm gonna keep flipping, but I wanted to point out, like. 
the world's smallest comics oh, that yeah. are embedded in I, there. I think he's gotten even smaller. Uh, so, like, Chris Ware was, like, the next dude after, like, you know, Burns and stuff. And then, to me, it like, years pass. And then it's uh, Johnny Ryan is, like, the last of that round. It's, like, Ivan Brunetti kind of counts, too. But, like, they're the last of, like, that, like, 90s run. And then, to me, like, there's a lost era. Yeah. Like... I like Paul Hornschmeyer. I like Anders Nielsen. I like those dudes, but they didn't like keep keep that energy up or whatever. To me, uh, when Arakikuo Johnson comes with Night Fisher, I that registered to me as like, okay, this is going to be the first dude in the aughts of like the new generation of like Fantagraphics, like where the cra- craft is not dead. Yo, James Kachalko, right, right. chill the fuck out, homeboy. Craft is not dead. But then uh, Arkakuo Johnson gets taken by Francois, man, and is doing like $10,000 New Yorker covers and can't say no to it's that. It's almost the reverse, right? Like going from for Chris Ware going from raw to Fanographics, and now it's it's the raw uh, uh, leadership is now pulling from Fanographics. So, right. you know, they, yeah, they've right, moved right. into a different place, but same kind of thing of like everybody's jockeying for this kind of talent. Not that different from Mark Silvestri and Rob Liefeld fighting over talent back in the image day, <laughs> concurrently with this uh, time period. I, I do want to point out this story is so ridiculous because it's Jimmy Corrigan shrinks himself down into a rocket that he made, and it's this whole sci-fi like He's cartoon adventure. Ends up having his head ripped off from his body at one point and growing a new body and growing a new head, and now there's two of him running around. Like it's. Chris, so entertaining. Chris Claremont had a Wolverine story where that was going to happen. There's going to be a dark Wolverine and all. It's and amazing, all but you know what? It, it it also captures a very like voyeuristic uh, part of yes. of of Chris Ware and like of the character and stuff. And that voyeurism shows up a lot as well. Definitely like, a in, motif in, 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 in a lot of all his all of work. his work. Yeah, not just uh, Jimmy Corrigan. Uh, Big Tex is one of these characters that he's got hundreds of strips of this yeah. there in his sketchbooks. I think there's one or two dedicated Acme issues mm-hmm. to Big Tex. But kind of cool to see him as like a standalone. Again, if this is a book, you know, a freestanding comic book, you might have a one-pager on the back. Jimmy, this was very inspiring to read uh, th- this past week. I was insanely inspired uh, by by this whole production. <laughs> so, uh, Jimmy making some kind of connection and, and writing nice stuff on each other's backs. <laughs> he writes Excelsior. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And she's like, Excelsior? (laughs) (laughs) Such a comic book nerd thing. And uh, goes off to sleep, and now he's at God's office, and it's God is written on the door. (laughs) Such a great joke. This is another one of his joke characters that that would uh, be featured. When I say joke characters, I mean, like, he has big book of jokes issues of uh, acne that are, like, mostly one-page kind of things. And this robot character is a recurring one there. And it, just damaging, just watching these memories and just punishment. <laughs> it's so dark. Pretty incredible. Like a like now you're taking Lichtenstein back onto the page. Yeah. You know, reclaiming that. And and like I said, like the earliest stuff I saw about where was was him color, cutting his own color separations and stuff. So like he's applying some of that practice here. It might be kayfabe uh, because everything else is digitally colored. So why wouldn't that just be a color halftone? But still paying attention to that kind of stuff. Um, are you sure this is digitally colored? I think it I is. I know he does at some point pretty early, but I don't know when. And it's just like 95, man. He's really ahead of the game. This is rich. Yeah, this is super and rich. might be a little bit older. I, w- I, would, I, would be, I would be surprised if these are not uh, computer colored. Like, look at how close like the, the That's true. dots and stuff are. Yeah, definitely. 
And a lot of this is, I don't want to call it slice of life because I think that's a disservice to what this is, but it is like a character study of Corrigan and how he's interacting with co-workers, uh, women, his mother. It's, it's amazing. As a single issue of a comic book, it's really hard to even explain how much is in this. It's a world. Like, he creates a very, very rich world in this one issue. This is kind of a, a crumb. It feels yeah. like a crumb homage, right? The seasons there where he's uh, living. Or is it, is it like she lives here and he lives there and they never see each other? I think he lives here and she lives there, but yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, they're calling on the phone. They're not hanging out. <laughs> he's independent. <laughs> like how like it's decrepit, you know, that foreground of just the, the garage. I was going to say, yeah, I see that a lot in Pittsburgh, that, that old garage that's falling, falling over but still standing somehow. I mean, there's one right over there. This is the, uh, the pages that do make it into the collection, so they might look familiar with anybody that's read that Jimmy Corrigan book. And I'm kind of amazing, like, comic book nerd going off to this convention, meets this uh, guy who played a superhero, who ends up basically hooking up with his mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they go home, they have dinner, and here you see him uh, Sleep, sneaking out before ex- Mama wakes exactly. up. Exactly. And uh, he does that, gives J- young Jimmy Corrigan his mask, and says, tell your mom... I had a real good time. <laughs> and he says, and he puts the mask on and tells her that. Just, to, just <laughs> for a reminder of her walk of shame. She believed everything he said, man. Such a cringe-worthy kind of inappropriate moment to end the, end the series <laughs> on. Or to end the issue on. And now, Ed, you mentioned like those ads. Totally this is what you're what you're getting or what you could reference but also like sears catalogs yes. which is something that he looks at and i've heard other cartoonists talk about as being like references and things but they kind of looked like this when things would be engraved especially that gun would be something that would look like an old sears catalog but there's real stuff too like soft boy cartoon book you know archie um archer pruitt archer pruitt uh, a, another good cartoonist who was from chicago chicago um new city so there's some stuff in here that's like legit and realistic and then there's some like absurdity right like order a gun there's stuff that like you could never i mean nothing to hear but there's definitely stuff that you can't linger on very long before the little spx crowd comes out with their pitchforks to try to try to get him yeah that's probably fair this because this stuff has a very dark undercurrent yeah this is not a happy uh feckless kind of comic all that said about the computer coloring i think i think to start like these were typeset like with with paste-ups but i'm not sure it does make me wonder because obviously he transitions into digital yeah and what did start before that so i don't know when that transition actually occurs but it's incredible like what he's able. i mean just the spread sort of illustrates everything he's able to do from these complex layouts that are referencing old layouts and possibly paste-ups to like this color palette there was a generation of cartoonists that showed up and just copied his color palette. Oh, totally, man. The the Midwestern color palette. Because no comics looked like this at the time. It's amazing. Like, it's very... Oh, and, and uh, you can cut this out and actually make this robot figure. Yeah, and it ain't kayfabe. No, you no. You really can. You legit could do it. You could probably find with a good Google search uh, examples of people who have done that. It's stuff's in the monograph and shit. Like, he just... he's a, The stuff that is going on inside of his cranium... Is just different from every other cartoonist. How long would it take you, Ed, to figure out like how to how to make this? Jim, Jimmy, I just couldn't. No, right, exactly. Like it has double hinges on, you know, and there's diagrams of how these hands work, and then you'd end up with your total circle piece that would go on the wrist. I don't, I don't have that in me. What are you talking about? And I could not quite figure this out. 
how you actually make these joints work. Complex diagram comics, you know, instructional comics on how you actually fold these things up to make the uh, the joints, the joinery work. But every page used, there is there, you're getting your money's worth. Your your three ninety five, probably a little better than the Spawn Batman crossover. Yeah, I think so. And <laughs> I mean, dude, just reading it this past week and prep for the kayfabe video, it excites me, man, to like just put pencil to paper and just make more comics. Yeah, very inspiring. Good to go? I am. Kayfabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel with the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. What's out there, Jimmy? Uh, Hulk Grand Design is out there, and uh, it's going to be everywhere. That is what I'm going to be talking about, promoting, and sharing on my Patreon, patreon.com slash jimrug. Uh, but Hulk Grand Design is, is my total focus. Red Room, uh, the anti-social network, out on the stands today. And Red Room Trigger Warnings, issue number one, going to be coming out in February from the same publisher as Acme Novelty Library. Fantagraphics, you could pre-order from Fantagraphics. Hit up our link trees in the description below this video. You could get to all of our destinations that way. Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter, also at the links below this video. And you can find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. Give them those margin orders, man. We're gonna be on our way. Read more comics.